you've ever been to New York City, there's a good chance that you have been inside the Lincoln Tunnel. And the Lincoln Tunnel is a terrifying place. It's small, it's narrow, it's dark. The only light they have in there really is like these ugly red lights all along. It's got these white tile walls, and of course it's Manhattan, so it's dirty, grungy white tile. And you drive along in these tiny lanes so that if you move eight inches to the left or eight inches to the right, you die. <laughs> and one of the scariest things about it is that it's curved. And so there's no sense that you're going anywhere. And you sometimes wonder halfway through, maybe, maybe this is the time when the Lincoln Tunnel became infinite. It's just, I'm just going to be here for all time you can't see any light at the end. And we live, don't we, often in a place like that. Tight curve, and we can't see where it's going. Abram, who we read about in the book of Genesis today, the book of Genesis, which is God's first love letter to the human race. God calls Abraham out from where he's comfortable, from his land, his possessions, where his family has always lived, and he calls him somewhere else. And Abraham doesn't entirely know what that place is going to be. In the letter to the Hebrews, reflecting back on what Abraham experienced, the author writes, Abraham went out though he did not know where he was going. And isn't that how we live so much of our lives? Not knowing exactly where we're going. And often, our very natural, if not always helpful, response to that is fear. Fear, we experience it, and we often don't do much to it at bay, often we indulge it because it feels like in this situation of uncertainty, of lack of clarity, at least I can do something. I can worry. We all do it. It doesn't help us very much. And the disciples who accompany Jesus up the mountain, Peter, James, and John, they experienced this same thing. First, they see Jesus in glory with Moses and Elijah, those Hebrew heroes, speaking with him, next to him. And it doesn't say that they're afraid when that happens. One of them offers to build tents, make a nice, comfortable area for them. But then, this voice, the voice of the Father, comes from above and thunders, this is my beloved son, listen to him. And when that happens, it says, they're terrified, and they fall down. Why? The father says about Jesus, listen to him. And right before the passage we read, Jesus has told his disciples, that he is going to have to suffer. They don't want to believe him, but the Father says, 
listen to him. It's true. And they don't know what that suffering is going to look like. They don't know what it's going to look like for their Savior, who they love. They don't know what it's going to look like for their lives. And so they're afraid. But God does not leave us in our fear. And it says that Jesus touches them and says to them, Do not be afraid. Rise. We can imagine maybe that Jesus picks them up by the hand and pulls them up out of that fear. Peter had already experienced this when he was on the sea and Jesus called him out onto the water and he began to sing. To sing. Jesus pulled him up. And that's often the case. That we've seen it before that God takes care of us. That he can pull us out of our fear. But that doesn't always keep us from fearing the next time. So how do we address that fear? There are a lot of different things you could do. Here are three that might be helpful. First, we have to identify where our fear is. What we're afraid of. So that we're not running around in a cloud of panic just being scared, but we don't know of what. And sometimes we have to articulate it for ourselves, or even say it out loud. God, I'm afraid that I don't know where I'm going. God, I'm afraid because I'm in the Lincoln Tunnel. And then, after we identify it, we have to surrender it. Give it over to God. And say, God, I know I'm afraid of this, but I need you to handle this. Your problem now. And then you have to hold on. Not to that fear, but like you're on a roller coaster, because God loves our vulnerability and our freedom, and when we're willing to give it to him, he runs with it. And he does amazing and beautiful things. We have to identify our fear, surrender it, and hold on. But that doesn't always happen once. Sometimes we have to say it over and over again, and we might have to articulate for ourselves and for God over and over again. Remind ourselves and remind God, this is your problem. You have to do something about this. We might have to do it over and over again. And there's a beautiful prayer by Thomas Merton, uh, an American monk and writer from the 20th century, that can be really helpful for this. It's a great prayer to pray if you're a senior in college, or a senior in high school, or a human being. My Lord, I have no idea where I am going. I do not see the road ahead of me. I cannot know for certain where it will end nor do I really know myself. And the fact that I think I am following your will does not mean that I am actually doing so. But I believe that the desire to please you does in fact please you. And I hope that I have that desire in all I am doing. And I hope that I will never do anything apart from that desire. I know that if I do this, you will lead me by the right path though I may know nothing about it. Therefore, I will always trust you, 
Though I may seem to be lost and in the shadow of death, I will not fear, for you are ever with me, and you will never leave.